Blog Talk Radio. We declare our rank on this earth to be a man, to be a human being, to be respected as a human being, to be given the rights of a human being in this society, on this earth, in this day, which we intend to bring into existence by any means necessary. Jason Strider, man, he told me, man, it's a sin. Just as much as a sin as killing a person and stealing and everything else, it's a sin for me not to be doing what I'm doing. If I chose to take the easy way out, knowing that I have to get it. Everybody can rap, but only a few get in these positions, you know, where they can really speak, you know, to a generation of people and, you know, have them follow them. Most important thing in business is honesty, integrity, hard work, family, never forgetting where we came from. And you are what you are in this world. That's either one or two things. Either you're somebody, or you're nobody. Let's go. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. Let's go. Yes, yes, absolutely, indefinitely, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the collective. Um, we are back after our one week hiatus. Um, full disclosure. Um, our our three co-hosts on the line right now are are officially college graduates as of last Saturday. Um, that is the re- that is the sole reason why we we were not here on our show last Saturday, um, airing at our usual time. Is that myself and my two co-hosts uh, Lawrence and Jason Reels um, all walked across the stage. We fought the good fight. And um, we we walked across the stage and with our cap and gowns and had our whole graduation ceremony bit last week and um, that was a, a a great time for us. Um, but we're back. We're back today on this on this fine Saturday afternoon. Uh, once again, this is the collective for those who are new. Welcome for those who have been here before. Welcome back. Um, we're back for another fresh week of topics, sports, music, television, and film. Um, 
to introduce my co-host. We're one man down, um, unfortunately, again this week. Uh, Tommy Hill is not with us for personal reasons, but he will be on the line listening in um, later on in the show. Um, so we want to shout out Tommy, obviously, um, our fourth co-host. But uh, we're here with, with uh, three hosts, including myself. Um, my name is Martin Sores. I am your humble host. And again, I'm joined by my two co-hosts, uh, Lawrence and Jason Reels, all the way from King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. What's going on, boys? All good, boy. Welcome, What's up? Welcome What's back. Up? Uh, glad to be back. Um, got a lot to talk about today, so I, I've been looking forward to this show. Um, I'm just, uh, just happy to be back on the air with you guys. Uh, again, congrats to, to both of you on, on our, our group accomplishment last week. So uh, we're, we're definitely blessed. Doing big things, doing big things with the collective. Um, it, it, what, what's going on with Lawrence? I see he's he's in and out right now. Is he Is he with us? He should be. If not, he'll 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 be right on. Um, okay. He he's he's been he's doing his engineer thing, so he he's he close by. All right. So we got uh, Lawrence. Lawrence will be joining us shortly. Um, uh, that, like like my good friend Jay just said, um, definitely much to talk about. Um, we've got a lot to cover today. A lot to discuss. Um, a lot has gone on in the last two weeks. Um, again, we were not here last week, so we missed a chance to recap um, some of the events, particularly in the NBA playoffs, as we've discussed over the last few weeks, the events that have gone on this postseason. Um, just in the last few days, we've seen seasons end. Um, Oklahoma City obviously fell to uh, the Memphis Grizzlies in five games, who will go on to the Western Conference Finals for the first time in franchise history. Uh, we saw Chicago go down to Miami um, after winning that first game and losing four straight. Um, so Miami will advance after uh, beating Chicago in five games. And uh, the San Antonio Spurs have advanced. Um, they took care of their business with Golden State in six games, and they will go on to play the Memphis Grizzlies in the Western Conference Finals. Um, uh, more immediately, um, I think we should go over this New York-Indiana series, um, which has been which has been ugly um, to say the least. Uh, game six in New York tonight. Um, Obviously, huge implications. New York, again, facing elimination. They pulled out the win um, and game – oh, correction, actually. Tonight's game is in Indiana. Um, they won game five in New York two nights ago. Um, they survived elimination, facing elimination again tonight in game six in Indiana. Um, I, every one of our co-hosts, um, you can go to our show's blog, thecollectiveradio.blogspot.com, and find our co-host picks throughout the second round of the playoffs, as well as make your own in the poll that we have set up on our blog. Um, all of our hosts picked the New York Knicks to win this series, um, either in six or seven games. Uh, I, I will say personally that I am particularly worried about all of our picks <laughs> with New York. Um, this series has been um, ugly for both teams, but in, to make the case for New York, um, it's just been a model of inconsistency. You don't you you haven't been able to predict which New York team is going to show up. Um, 
expected. You know, obviously the the stories have flurried with, you know, J.R. Smith uh, not particularly playing well in this series. And they've talked about his, you know, his off-the-court antics, how that might be affecting his performance. He had a, you know, he played pretty well there in Game 5. Um uh, you know, obviously Carmelo up and down, but the, you know I, the story obviously is Indiana. I mean, they're winning the series three-two. They're in command. They're going back to their home court tonight. And as I said, I'm I'm worried. I mean, Indiana's five and zero at home so far in the playoffs. They haven't lost the game yet. Um, they're more comfortable at home, obviously. Um, again, they haven't lost yet. The way they play is is such a clash with New York. Um, and you know, again, going making the case for New York, it, it seems like this series has really been affected on the glass. Um, Indiana has already grabbed more than twice as many offensive rebounds as the Celtics did against New York in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, Indiana has 64 offensive rebounds uh, to date, which is twice as many as Boston finished with in that six-game series with New York in the first round. Um, Roy Hibbert has 10 more offensive rebounds than Tyson Chandler has defensive rebounds. Um, and, and so, you know, the clashing styles with New York, you know, obviously looking to uh, you know, immerse Carmelo Anthony at the four spot, and there's been some debate about that, whether or not they need to beef up on the front line, and they brought back Amari in game three. He's been playing little minutes here and there, but again, um, the story I think for New York has been you don't know which Knicks team you're going to see. So, um, Jay, let me get your thoughts on the on the Knicks-Pacers series. Uh, like I said, we all picked the Knicks, so, you know, what are your thoughts? What have you been seeing from that matchup? Um, I've, it has, I, I think the way you described it is, is, is perfect. It has been an ugly series. I mean, last game, 85 to 75, you know, that's, that, that, that's as ugly as it gets. And it seems yeah. like both teams are like desperate to find offense. And, and, you know, uh, George Hill being out last game for the Pacers obviously hurt them, um, just getting into their sets. They actually turned over the ball more. Um, in that game than any game of the series in which you're starting point guard out. I mean, I guess that's, you know, that, that makes perfect sense. But, I mean, the Knicks, the Knicks just, like like you said, you don't know which Knicks team is going to show up. And, and they're desperate to find somebody to give them a spark. And, and they're, they were, you know, the Chris Copeland played a, a pretty good game last game. Um, he had 13 points in 19 minutes. Um, but, you know, they're going to they're gonna need more than that. And, and, you know, if George Hill returns today and, and, and plays remotely well, I, I think uh, Indiana is going to get this, get this win. I just don't see the urgency from the Knicks. Like, I, I have a quote here from Melo um, after last game, and he said, we played a little desperate, a little bit desperate. And, <laughs> like, a little desperate? Like, you're, you're, it's an elimination game. And, and and you have to be desperate from from game one in order to to win an NBA semifinal series. Like you don't just you don't just pop up with a sense of urgency. And I think that's what the Knicks' problem really is. I, I honestly feel like because they're playing Indiana and because it's not a huge marquee series right now, I, I just don't think that they're giving the effort that they need in order to win these games. And and going on the road, if they if they're cold at the beginning of this game. I, I don't think they have a chance. I think the the three ball is gonna have to be there for them. They're a they're a live by the three, die by the three type team, 
and and on the road in an elimination game, they have no choice but to hit shots. And and J.R. Smith is really killing me. Like I'm 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 extremely disappointed with what I've seen from him over the last couple of games because I honestly feel like he he was great all season long. You know, it seemed like he had his head on straight and he was doing things right. And he hasn't been the same since that elbow um, to Jason Terry in the first-round series against Boston. Yeah, I, I don't think he's had one good game since. He had 11 points or 13 points um, the other night. But this is a guy that needs to go out and get 20-some games. And, and he's yeah. just not playing with that consistency. And, and that's just the story of the whole Knicks team. And I'm, I'm, I'm severely disappointed in him. But I'm, I'll make an early pick. But I, I'm, I'm going with New York tonight. Um, I think that I think that they hit enough shots to get this thing back to the guard. And and I, I all these series have been short, you know, this year. You know, we had two five games, we had a six game series. Um, I just don't see the semifinals of the NBA playoffs going down like that. Um so I, I think this next series is going to second. For the sake of my pick, I surely hope you're right. Because I pick, you know, I, I did go with Nixon seven. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm gonna back up my my claim that I'm worried and actually say, you know, I'm gonna go against my. I, I think Indiana is gonna close this thing out tonight. I think, I, 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 I think what you said, Jay, is is the, the main thing for New York. If they hit enough shots, they'll win the game. I mean, it, you know, you you say that, and it's and it sounds simplistic, but it's re- it really comes down to that for New York. I mean, they are yeah. a they are a jump shooting team um, led by you know Carmelo Anthony, one of the one of the you know the the best streak shooters we have in the league. I always say it: no one gets hotter quicker. Um, yeah. So it, it you know it takes mellow get going hit a couple shots early you know it and I you know that's something to look for really in the beginning I mean you're looking for body language particularly like you said they're on the road they're in Indiana where they haven't lost in the playoffs yet where New York hasn't won a game yet in this round um, so you're looking for body language from the beginning and you're looking for them to you know run their sets get their shots and and hit shots and you know like you said JR Smith you know he's a guy um you know and and when New York was really playing well and going on that stretch he he came in as that second guy in terms of bringing yeah. another offensive weapon aside from Melo and and you know really and again you mentioned the the elbow from the uh from the Boston series I feel like really ever since that area I've seen Iman Shumpert become seemingly the more valuable asset than J.R. Smith. I mean, he's he's been, he's been knocking down shots. We know what he does defensively. I mean, he's a hound on the defensive end. Offensively, he's, you know, he's hitting spot-up jump shots. He, you know, he's aggressive. He's looking to attack. Um, so what he's been bringing has seemingly b- become a little bit more valuable without J.R. Smith, you know, without that streaky aspect of him. So, you're, you know, you look for him to get himself going um, early on, like you said. Um, I'm nervous. I'm nervous, and I, and I I couldn't agree with you more, Jay. If if I see New York hit shots early in the first quarter, I'll I'll feel okay. I will. If I you know if I see them miss their first few shots and and you know not get off to a great start, I'm 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 favoring Indiana. And I and my pick for tonight, I think Indiana wins this game tonight. I just have you know I I feel bad that I that you know. 
I guess the Knicks have somehow had this effect. You know, I've almost lost faith. I mean, not completely, but I mean, I'm picking Indiana to win the series at the end of tonight. So maybe I have lost faith. But but you know, again, it's the stuff that you talked about is what you look for early on from that game tonight. Um, uh, I see. You know, Lawrence is is seems to have some technical difficulties. He's been he's been in and out, but um uh, I know he's working to get back on with us soon. Um uh you know, switching gears over to the west real quick, Jay. Um this Grizzlies and Spurs series is going to be you talk about just like your old-fashioned ground and pound type of series. Yeah. I mean, this is this is really your old school type of playoff series right here. Um, just initially, what are your thoughts going in? What do you what are you looking at? Matchups, uh, thoughts like what, what are you what are you most looking forward to from this? Uh, this is I got to be honest. This is the last, the very last Western Conference Finals matchup I wanted to see. <laughs> but but just but but you know it's going to be terrific basketball. And, 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 you know, it, it, it's going to be a chess match. And, and my early thoughts on it is that this series is going at least six or seven. And, and that's my – and both teams have an advantage um, because, you know, Memphis and San Antonio, that flight isn't bad. So it's not that much of a road game for either team. And, and I think that's going to play a huge role in this, especially with both of these teams kind of being older, Memphis being a little younger. But the one matchup that I'm looking at is is that stands out to me right away is Zach Randolph, Tim Duncan, and and you know these are two of the elite four men in the league. Um, they are the two old school, I would say, four men in the league um, as far as the way that they play. And inside, it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be a battle. It's gonna look like '90s playoff basketball in a way. I think this series that's how it's gonna pan out. Um, low scoring games, um, in the in the seventies, eighties, you know, I, I feel like first team to ninety in in a in a couple of these games are gonna win. I just feel like that's like what type of series it's gonna be. Um, Tony Parker, uh Mike Connolly is a is a great matchup. Um, two very, very solid point guards. Um, you know, they neither of them kill you with athleticism. But you know these are these are speedy, very very good, crafty players. Um, so that'll be interesting. I'm my early prediction is I'm going with the Spurs, mainly because of of the Spurs depth. I don't think yeah. Memphis is a very deep team. Um, I think their coach does a great job of managing minutes and, and things of that nature. But I don't see them being a, an extremely deep team, whereas the Spurs can go eight or nine deep if they want to. Um, so I'm going with the Spurs and I, I would say seven, I, I think it's going to go seven. Um, but, uh, it'll be an interesting, it'll be an interesting series. And, uh, obviously as in every Spurs series, uh, the lefty, the South Paul, Mr. Ginobili will be the X factor. And, and if he, if he plays well, um, I, I think the Spurs get this done. In, in a rematch with LeBron in the final, because I don't think either the Knicks or the Pacers are going to give the Heat any work at all in the Eastern Conference Finals. So I'm already looking forward to the finals match up here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to look ahead there for sure. Um, uh, you know, 
we we still await the winner of the New York Indiana series to talk, you know, potential Eastern Conference Finals uh implications, but you know, <laughs> common sense tells us that we can kind of just match up someone at them again whoever wins in the West against Miami. I mean, Miami, conventional yeah. wisdom kind of just kind of just lays <laughs> that out for us, but um mm-hmm. I'm I'm with you. I'm going Spurs in 7 and I I'm I'm highly conflicted here because and and for the reasons that you said, I'm I'm completely plagiarizing from your comments, Jay. Because you know I said it when we started from the beginning of, with these with these playoffs, and I said my my running theme was going to be uh, the depth with these teams, mm-hmm. and you know what teams are able to use their depth, um, you know, to their advantage. And that you know the Spurs have been the deepest team in the NBA, you know, all season. The, you know, we talked about the Clippers. You know, they had their their deep roster also. But in terms of what the Spurs are able to get from guys that they can throw in there. You know, you're obviously Ginobili's and even someone like Corey Joseph, who played big, um, you know, substantial minutes in the Golden State Series, having to chase around uh, Steph Curry and, and Clay Thompson. Mm-hmm. You know, he relieved a lot of defensive pressure off of Ginobili and, and Tony Parker. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, here's why I'm I'm conflicted, because, you know, in a, in a and I'm with you, and I think this is going seven games. I'm afraid that, you know, when it comes to the ground game, it, I mean, you look at the front court for each team, obviously Randolph and Gasol for Memphis. When you look at San Antonio, they, you know, you got Duncan down there. You've got Splitter who came back uh, in the Golden State Series, and, his, you know, his minutes have gone up, and he's a good body for them. They've got Dewan Blair who plays minimum. He doesn't play that much, but he's another body as well. And they've used Boris Diaw who who stretches a little. You know, he does a better job of stretching out a little. He's kind of like a stretch four, but he can go inside and out as well. Yeah. I'm I'm worried, Jay, that that Duncan and Splitter and you know they're not that beefy. You know, they're yeah. they're. they're you know they don't really they they can bang but they don't really want to bang. They're really more no, finesse. No, no. Yeah, and I'm absolutely. afraid, you know, I'm afraid they're gonna get beat up. You know, I'm afraid yeah. if this thing goes to seven, and then you know, thank goodness San Antonio has that home court advantage because I'm, you know, I'm kind of operating from that also. But you know, Memphis is not scared of anyone on the road, and I'm of the yeah. mindset that. Memphis is going to win at least one in San Antonio. I mean, just based on you know what we saw them do on the road against Oklahoma City, which I want to get to in a minute in terms of how their season ended in Kevin Durant. I think we should talk about that in a minute as well. But I, you know, I'm, I'm conflicted for that reason. And and I you know we talk about the matchups. I think the Ginobili Tony Allen matchup is huge. And like you said. With every Spurs series, if Manu is Manu, I mean, we've seen him do nearly the impossible. I mean, the things yeah. he's able to do, um, uh, you know, transcends any statistics or anything like that. I mean, when Manu turns up, he turns up. But like you said, he's got, I mean, he's got to pick up his play. Um, he finished the the semifinal round against Golden State, averaging just over twelve and a half points. He's shooting thirty four percent from the field and twenty seven percent from three, um, and he's even he's shooting sixty five percent from the free throw line, which is yeah. you know uncharacteristic of a player of his of his magnitude. Um, so you know, and his you know his minutes went up from the first round to the second round. You look for his minutes to go up in this round as well, but you know, the, someone like Tony Allen could not easily but you know 
in terms of his defensive ability, he can really, really probably do a good job at somehow negating Manu's effectiveness. And then, you know, that backcourt, Matt, you look to Tony Parker and Mike Conley, like you said. Tony Parker's going to have to outplay Mike Conley, um, you know, and at least two or three of these games. I mean, he's got to flat out outplay him. And Mike Conley, I mean, he is probably solidified the most underrated point guard in the NBA right now. I mean, people Mm -hmm. are obviously on notice now but you know that that's something that tony parker is going to have to deal with offensively and defensively guarding him on the other side and looking to score against him i think conley has the size and the length advantage a little bit um so you you know that backcourt matchup you look for parker and ginobili to to you know to be effective and and to you know take over the backcourt for this series in the front court, like I said, you know, I'm worried that Tim and, and Tiago and, and, you know, uh, and I think Dewan Blair's minutes might go up in this series because he is, he is a little more of a banger than even a Boris Diaw. Um, but I'm with you, Jay, because, I, because at the end of the day, and again, I said I wanted to go to Oklahoma City, but I, I'm of the mindset that, and, and I hate to say this, but, you know, Memphis beat Oklahoma City in five games. The argument could be made the only reason they won the series in five games or won the series at all is because Russell Westbrook was down. And, you know, that you know that 24 points a game taken away from Oklahoma City definitely helped Memphis in terms of their defensive, you know, uh, their defensive strategies, zoning up on yeah. Durant, making other guys right. beat them. Now yeah. they've, got, they've got to worry about parking. Right, yeah, exactly, yeah. You can't see Durant with out there and he's working with the system and get the ball out of his hands, and that, that was a big team downfall for sure. Absolutely. So I'm, lo- you know, I'm, I'm looking at, like you said, the depth. I mean, really, Memphis, you know, they've gotten great contributions from Jared Bayless and, and Quincy Pondexter. Um, you know, they come in and, you know, they, they hit their shots. They hit threes in the – Quincy Pondexter has become deadly for, with that corner three. Um, so, you know, when it comes to the depth, I, I give the Spurs that advantage. And when it comes to being able to effectively score on Memphis, I, I think Memphis is up against a much better, a much deeper challenge than they did with Oklahoma City because you're not, you you can't double team off guys in San Antonio because they'll burn you. Um, So I when I I think of when I when I've always thought of Memphis and and, and tell me if you agree, but when I've always thought of Memphis, I've only seen them as the baby Spurs. Like I feel like the whole organization and a lot of what they do is. Basically, the Spurs formula. You get, you get yeah. what I'm saying? Like, you know, they yeah, have, definitely. They play slow. They play slow. They have their in, their two inside guys are their are their dominant players, and they play defense, and they're disciplined. And I and I always feel like I've I've always had that feeling that Memphis is is the little brother of the Spurs, and and Memphis winning the series, I feel like we kind of take them to the big brother role. But I don't know if this big brother is ready to pass the torch quite yet. Yeah, and and and, and, and that's what I that's why the series is going to be so interesting. It has, for entertainment value, people aren't going to want to watch these games. But for guys that are in the basketball that under that really understand the game and understand good basketball, they're gonna it's going to be a fun series to watch. Um, 
for 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 more than just a casual basketball thing. But I just I hear I hear what you're saying. I love the the matchups. Do the front court matchup is obviously Memphis. Memphis has the best front court in the NBA with every single team left in left yeah. in, including the Knicks, the Pacers, and the Heat. They have the best two inside guys in the league. And, yeah. and you know, in the NBA, it's a very perimeter-oriented team, but we've seen the past teams win championships off of their inside play. Um, can Memphis win a championship with Mark Gasol and Zach Randolph? I don't think so. But I, I, they give them a chance to win this series. So I, I totally agree. I agree with you on that. And I think your comparison was right on with Memphis really modeling the the San Antonio Spurs model, you know, slowing down, playing with your two bigs, having a point guard that can that can distribute, that can create, that can score, and that can really manage your offense. Um, I think those similarities are glaring. I mean, uh, I think you're I think you're spot on right that with uh, with that comparison, Jay. Um, and like you said, it's a series that you know basketball really, you know, the basketball aficionados really look forward to. Um, you make the strong point about it not being necessarily an entertainment value type of game where there's going to be, you know, you may not see, you probably won't see many, you know, posters. You won't see high-flying, up-and-down basketball, but you're going to see games that come down to half-court execution, um, veteran play, um, heavy rebounding. I mean, this will um definitely be affected on the glass and um and there's going to be a lot of fouls it's going to be real mm-hmm. chippy real nasty yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's going to get real I'm, nasty I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the late game execution from both these teams especially because we with, with two veteran teams with with two you know very good co- coaches pop uh, probably having the advantage just because of his playoff experience but i i, I just really feel like they're going to see a uh, a lot uh, a lot of late games where there there's going to be one to two possession games and it's really going to come down to who's going to execute well down the stretch and and that'll be fun to see for 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 real for hardcore basketball fans that's going to be a lot of fun to see so so that part of this series is is something that I'm definitely going to be looking out for I want to see who's executing down, you know, three minutes left in the game because I feel like every game is going to be close. I can't see one of these teams really pulling away from the other because they both play so slow that no one's going to have the possessions to actually get away from the other team. So late game execution is going to be, is going to be. Love Talk Radio. Welcome. Um, Well said there, Jay, The, the late game execution and you're, and you're looking at two, veteran teams so i mean essentially you're looking at two models or what should be two models of of you know high and effective late game execution with memphis and san antonio um uh i i said i wanted to you know switch gears over to you know talk about oklahoma city and the ending of their season um as as uh lawrence continues to work to get back with us um you know and and jay you know sorry about that that was some 
really weird technical difficulty that I don't know. I'm not sure where it came from, but um, uh, Jay, tell me. I mean, when it comes to Kevin Durant, and you know, I feel I feel bad for the kid. Um, I think he is he is about to endure. You know at least at some level, a level of scrutiny. I know if, if Tommy was with us today, I'm sure he would share his thoughts. But, you know, and Tommy, you know, Tommy has mentioned to me before, you know, his his uh, his desire to – he feels the need to be critical of Kevin Durant the same way that we're critical of others, such as, such as LeBron and, and Carmelo and others. And even though he's so young, you know, um, you know, I, again, I think Tommy would really embellish on this if he were with us um, today. But I, I feel bad because, you know, we talked about it when Westbrook went down, what was what was required of Kevin Durant, what was needed of him and his team in order for them to get past the Memphis Grizzlies in advance without Russell Westbrook. Um, I picked Memphis to win the series in seven. Um, although I, I was I was really disturbed to see them win in five games. I was yeah. disturbed to see Oklahoma City only pull out one victory, which was in game one. I mean, they, they lost four straight to Memphis. Um, and, you know, at one point, and I think it was the is – the, I think pretty sure it was the – no, it was the the final game in game five. In the, in the right in the beginning of the second half, in the third quarter, I think they took a double-digit lead. Tony Allen was running up and down, just laughing and smiling. I mean, you you were looking at a Memphis team that knew they were better than Oklahoma City was without yeah. Westbrook. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I want to talk about that for a minute because, you know, I, 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 I think it's unfortunate. I, you know, we put an onus on Kevin Durant because so much was demanded of him. And, I, you know, I, on my final point, I'll, you know, full disclosure, you know, and that that my final year, or rather my my final year, my my second year of college, you know, playing with Jason, Jason had the situation where he, you know, Jay went down, and Jay was our best player. I was the number two guy, and you know, Jay went down, and suddenly, you know, your role shifts. You become, you know, you become the primary guy, not only the primary facilitator, but the primary scorer, the primary vocal person. Um, you don't have your your wingman. You don't have the guy that you that you you know when you don't necessarily have it going, or when you need something going from somewhere else. You don't have that um, that void to kind to fill that anymore. And I I watch you know the end of that Oklahoma City series, and I mean. I can't help but question or actually, you know, just kind of um, just think about, you know, did the significance of Russell Westbrook really show in this series? I mean, I, I think it did. What do you think, Jay? I, I think that's the that's the silver lining in all this for Oklahoma City. Um, and and I, I, I'm, I'm looking at it more of a positive than a negative for this one reason. Because Oklahoma City for the last two or three years, from a lot of people, you know, in the media, you know, I, I, the main culprit would be Skip Bayless with his disrespectful post that I that I read of his about about Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant needing to go up to Russell Westbrook and say all these things to him and all this stuff. I think this really showed the value of Russell Westbrook. I don't think there's any question in anybody's mind that that would have been a different series if Russell Westbrook was playing. 
Um, you know, Memphis State still may have pulled it out because Memphis is playing great basketball right now. And I don't want to take anything away from Memphis and say they won that series because Russell Westbrook wasn't playing because I don't think that's the case. But this shows the absolute importance of Russell Westbrook. And, and I think going forward for Oklahoma, I see it as a positive because now some of those talks I think are going to dim down a little bit. And people are going to realize that it's great, 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 you know, you know, once-in-a-lifetime type of player that Kevin Durant is. Everyone needs help. Everyone needs right. – there's no one guy that can take you to the promise of. LeBron couldn't do it. You know, Kobe had his struggles when he was alone in, in, in Laker town. Even the elite, elite guys can't do it alone. And and as much criticism as as everyone, and I'm guilty of it as well, you know, gave to the way Russell Westbrook played, he made the Thunder what they were. You know, when, when they were, you know, made it to the finals last year. You know, obviously Harden not having him this year is, is, is a whole other story. Right. But, but Westbrook's importance was absolutely – it was glaring. It was it was obvious. You know, a casual NBA watcher could have seen how much OKC had to adjust without him and how they just didn't have enough time to get it down before they had to play a Memphis team that was ready to take them out. Memphis played no games with them. And, right. and, and they they literally – they literally, it was such a bad, it couldn't have been a worse time for them to, obviously, you know, in the playoffs, but especially going up against Memphis in the next round, it couldn't have been a worse time for them to miss, for them to miss, you know, Russell Westbrook, they're one of their guys. So, it's, it's, it's obvious, um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm expecting him to come back and be Russell Westbrook next year. Um I think I think Oklahoma City made the right decision by just shutting him out and saying, you know, we're not going to rush you back. And even and, – and they knew it could have been the result of their whole season. But, you know, this is, these kids are like – Westbrook's a young guy and, and, and just kind of like Derrick Rose, it's a, it's a fine line between, you know, rushing someone back when they're not ready or pushing someone to get ready and being like, yo, we need you to play. Yeah, and, and saying, "Yo, we're gonna shut this guy down because this is our future in this guy," and and that's what that and that's what happened. It was just it was just bad timing for Oklahoma City. Um, obviously, like it's it's a terrible situation for them. Kevin Durant, I feel, really did all he could. Um, I think with more time, just him being on being that guy, you know, preparing for this playoff mm-hmm. run, I, yeah. you know, it could have it could have been a different story. But like you said, it, it, it takes time, you know, after, after you know, a major piece is taken away for the whole team, especially sure. the second, especially that, that, that next guy up, it, right. you know, that added pressure on them. Like it takes a little while for them, to, for someone to get comfortable in that role. And, and Kevin Durant is good enough that we all thought, you know, that would be a seamless transition. And it kind of was. I mean, he, did, he still put up 30-plus a game. <laughs> He had he had games where he was close to a triple double. You know, he had the big thirty five to fifteen game. It's not mm-hmm. like he didn't play. It's not like he didn't perform. So that's why I'm not killing him for mm-hmm. for what happened to OKC. But I think all the Russell Westbrook talks can be, be put to a rest right now because Oklahoma City needs that man. And and and, and a lot of people had to take a step back and say, you know, maybe we should lighten up on the way he plays because he obviously makes them go. So right. it, it, 
it, it, it's just unfortunate, but I agree. Yeah, it, it was obvious. It was, it was extremely obvious. I'm glad that you that you brought up. Uh, you said, I mean, you. I, I was I was gonna mention it down there, but you brought up the the main point of irony here, and that's James Harden. I yeah. mean, you you think about how I mean how much it I mean it must have stung at some level to know that you gave up Harden and 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 then and then you lose Westbrook in the Western Conference semifinals where you know they I mean I'm if if they still had Harden I mean I still would have given them a chance I mean it's not like people weren't giving them a chance even without Westbrook. Um, but you know, you you put Harden in that in that combination again. You know, they probably would have had to let go of Serge Ibaka. But I'm looking at Serge Ibaka, who scored 63 points in the whole series, less than Reggie yeah. Jackson did in the whole series. Um, grabbed less rebounds than Kevin Durant did um, on, on in, through the entire series. Um, seemingly a non-factor. Um, yeah. It, it, so Zebo Zebo dominated him for for those completely. last four games. Dominated him, dominated him, Do- and, and he's a he's a presence inside, and 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 I and I always, you know, thinking about that that whole scenario with James Harden, I always saw like okay, you know, Serge is young, a he's athletic, he's getting better, he's like he hasn't hit his ceiling yet, right? But with OKC and a lot of NBA teams, you you can't wait, like and I, and I heard Jeff Van Gundy talk about this. Um, it was a Knicks game on a Friday night, and he was just talking about, you know, teams that suffer injuries or make major trades. And, you know, it's, 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 they were thinking about the future, and I get that. But in this NBA right now, you're, you have to win now. And, and, and if you're trying to win now, I don't think you get rid of your, your second or third best player, you know, however you want to think about Harden and Westbrook or whatever, yeah. Um, I don't. I, I don't think that's the time. Like this time is the time to get rid of that guy, and and it really, it really, it really showed, man. It, it, it was. It was. Uh, uh, Jason got dropped momentarily. Um, I'm sure he'll be back on. Um, again, just having a couple of technical difficulties. We're trying to sort out. Um. Hey Molly, I think I'm on. Uh, we have Lawrence. Okay, Lawrence is on with us. Jay, Jay, you, uh, I think you got lost on us. So if you want to finish your point real quick. Yeah, yeah, I'm back. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's, it's very ironic, and it, and it, and it's, it, it's bad for OKC, and it, and it seems like they've handled it, handled the last, you know, you know, the last year since they've been in the finals. It seems like they've handled it wrong, and handling things wrong and a little bit of bad luck, you know, gets you eliminated in the second round when you went to the to the NBA Finals the year before. So right. it's about winning now and I don't think they they really took that in consideration when they when they had to to do the Harden trade. Um and it's it's unfortunate for them, really. <laughs> well said, well said. I, I wrote um I posted my reaction to the Harden trade when it went down on our on our blog basketballfeed.blogspot.com and and towards the end I wrote, you know, we would really see the effects of the decision around this time. And of course, we couldn't have known then that Russell Westbrook would have been out for the conference semifinals, but um again, even given that situation, the James Harden irony come I mean, it, you can't help but but harp on it and it's seemingly haunting them now. Um 
Lawrence, so you're you're on the line with us now, finally. I think I'm I think I'm with us. I, I, I think I have finally arrived here. All right, you sound good, you sound crisp, man. Um you you pretty much missed our whole discussion, me and Jay were yeah. holding it down on Whoa. our NBA playoff Whoa. discussion. Yeah, I knew you would. I knew you guys would though. I I, yeah. I was I was sweating over here trying to figure everything <laughs> out, but I knew I we had the ball players on the line realistically, so I I knew it would be held down properly. Okay, yeah, we, you know, but um, we do need to get your take though. We um, uh, you know, we talked about the you know tonight's game six in Indiana between New York and and the right. Pacers, um, and we 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 went ahead and made our picks for the Western Conference Finals. Talked about okay. that little dicey situation between San Antonio and. Give us your thoughts, your pick for tonight's game. I know, you know, we all picked New York to win the series, but I expressed my worry um, for them in game six tonight in Indiana, and uh, Jay thinks they're going to pull it out tonight. So give us your thoughts for game six tonight, and then uh, give us your pick for the Western Conference Finals. Well, in terms of the game tonight, I mean, the the Knicks have put themselves in, in quite the pickle, to say the least, and I mean, none of us, obviously, like you said, none of us realistically saw this coming. We probably should have more than, I mean, I feel like our pick for New York was more hopeful than anything. It was just like kind of, I hope these guys really got it together because we knew that they maybe didn't. We knew that they maybe weren't the team that they needed to be. I mean, they had that good run at the end of the season. They looked good against Boston, but we still saw we still saw the flaws. We still saw the shakiness in New York, and um, Indiana has just exploited that uh, to the nth degree. I mean, they they played really good basketball, and and you can't knock it. I don't I don't feel like New York's going to win three in a row against against Indiana and pull off this series, man. I would love to see it. I think it would be very exciting. I think it would be great for basketball to have a franchise like New York go up against Miami in the Eastern Conference Finals, but I think Indiana has simply been the better basketball team, and they're showing that they simply are the better basketball team. I mean, even with losing a guy like Danny Granger, they they found a way to be able to use the pieces that they have and really come together and play as a cohesive unit. They're one of – I mean, them in Memphis are, speak towards that more than anything else where there's no – I mean, there's some star players, definitely. I, Paul George is a star. Zach Randolph, Mark Gasol, those guys, I mean, they're stars, but they're no superstars. There's teams that have a good basketball nucleus and are able to play together, and they've been able to outshine the Knicks with all of their bright lights. So I, I feel like Indiana t- uh, ends this tonight, man. I, uh, it's in Indiana. I mean, if they lose tonight, they have to go back to New York for Game 7, which is going to be rough. I mean, if I'm... If I'm Paul George and those guys, I mean, hopefully George Hill will be there. Without him, I, I saw some numbers earlier, and the the Indiana Pacers aren't the Indiana Pacers without George Hill. So I, they're going yeah. to need him to be able to to really pull something out. But I think I think that Indiana will be able to get it done and, and take care of business. Because I mean, it's it's a very rough game for Indiana to lose if they were to lose. If they if they were to lose, I mean, our New York and seven picks start to start to take some shape. They start to take some life in. And I don't think Indiana wants to do that. They got their foot right on New York's neck right now. I mean, they need to just stop the bleeding and, and, and get this over with and get ready for Miami. So I'm going to say that Indiana is going to go ahead and take care of business tonight. Western Conference Finals ended up shaping up um, – 
interesting to say the least. Uh, I mean, it's certainly not the marquee matchup we would want to see in the Western Conference Finals. It's not like the most exciting basketball we can possibly see. They're two older teams that like to slow it down a little bit more. They're really inside-oriented. I mean, Jay, I, I did catch for a second in the 30 times my phone dropped the calls. I, I was catching snippets, and I did hear Jay say that the uh, – the Memphis simply has the best front court in basketball, and I think that's just the absolute truth. I mean, what what Zach and Mark do together, they complement they complement each other to a, to a, to such an extent that no teams are really able to to handle it. I mean, we got Mark Gasol, the Defensive Player of the Year, Zach Randolph. Is also another big body that's going to be able that's going to be all over the glass. He's going to be physical with you. These are not finesse big men. These are not guys that are going to tiptoe around you like Chris Bosh. They're gonna they're gonna try to go through you and they're gonna force it. They're gonna bump with you. They're gonna want you to. They're gonna create contact. And I mean, I think I honestly think a lot of these bigs aren't ready for it. I mean, they manhandled the Lakers bigs with with pretty Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan weren't able to do anything against them. They they are a very very scary sight, and I think that they can wear down old Timmy. I think Tony Parker is big in this. He has to he has to be able to to do something off uh, defensively against Michael Conley. If he can slow down Michael Conley in any way, shape, or form. Then I, I think the Spurs have a good shot. I, I mean, Manu Ginobili certainly an X factor. Seeing that, I mean, uh, Tony Allen's probably going to be spending a lot of time on him, and, and that's their marquee defender. But at the same time, Memphis doesn't necessarily have that answer on the offensive end when it comes to a perimeter threat outside of Mike Conley. So I think that at the two and three position for the Spurs, that's where they really need to be able to exploit. They have a bunch of bodies that they can throw at Memphis. Uh, down low, I mean, between Tiago Splitter, Dewan Blair, Boris Diaw, Tim Duncan, like they got a good, they have a, a solid nucleus of bigs. Kawhi Leonard even plays some four. They have enough bigs to be able to shuffle it up and throw a bunch of bigs at Memphis to kind of try to wear out Zach Randolph and Mark Gasol as much as possible. So, I, I mean, I would definitely look for him to do that. I said this going in. We all said this going in. The Spurs are one of the deepest teams in basketball. I honestly, I mean, I love the way Memphis has played. I think they've had a fantastic playoff. I mean, I'm 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 really happy for Lionel Howens. I like the, I like the I like Memphis as an organization, but I don't like them against San Antonio in the Western Conference Finals. I'm gonna say it'll be a, it'll be a series. I mean, they'll stretch it to seven. I would say I would say they'll stretch it to seven, but I think San Antonio will take care of business, having the home court advantage and just having that experience. Guys that have been there before that know exactly what they're doing. I mean, they got rings. We're not they're not just guys that have been in the playoffs. These guys got chips racked. So I mean. <laughs> I mean, I they know what they're doing, and and I think that they'll take care of business and and see Miami in the in the NBA final. Um, so it's like all in agreement. Unfortunately, we don't have Tommy here to weigh in. Um, his pick, uh, we'll we'll be sure to get. And, um, you can watch the blog, the collective video dot com, and find pick about the playoffs and uh, make your own picks on the poll that we have set up on the blog. Um, so good stuff all around on NBA playoffs, gentlemen. Um, with Marshall and come back and kick off our music segment for the day. This is the collective. We back. Yes, sir. 
Rafika Consultants and Services LLC is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The Fluffs present the alphabet, now found in paperback, sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. Fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing and a gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cuff shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, Yes, yes. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, to the collective. Um, we just wrapped up our 
NBA playoff uh, segment. We are now segueing into our music segment, which is loosely based on our music blog, whatwehear.blogspot.com, where you can find reviews and features and all that good stuff. All um, right. For the first time, for the first time on our show, um, we're going we're gonna to start up a, a new trend with our show. We're going to do our, our very first What We Hear segment. Um, again, based on our blog, whatwehear.blogspot.com, um, the segment is going to be called What We Hear. And at this point, um, we want to open up to any of our live listeners or callers who might be listening in um, during this music segment who just want to call in and maybe share just what's what they've been listening to, what's on their playlist this past week. Um, again, if you've been listening to our show, you know that our co-hosts have a strong uh, proclivity for hip-hop and R&B. Um, however, if you have been really listening, you know that uh, we branch out into just about any and all genres. Um, so any input would be greatly appreciated from any of our live listeners or callers. Um, I guess I'll start us off uh, with our segment. Um, you know, this past couple of weeks, we talked about the Gatsby soundtrack on our, I believe it was our last airing a couple of weeks ago. Um, yep. And, uh, uh, you know, we, we mentioned, the you know, Jay-Z, obviously, executive producing it. I burned the CD. It's in my car, and I, you know, it's become a go-to for me. I get in my car, I'm driving. That's really the first thing I want to hear. Um, I've gotten a chance to really get in depth with a lot more of the songs, um, again, since I have the CD in my car, and um, I've since downloaded it in my iTunes, so I've been able to spend more time with the music. Um, I, you know, I mentioned when we talked about it before, the Florence and the Machine uh, song, Over the Love, one of the more really powerful, captivating songs, I think, on the soundtrack. Um, the Lena Del Rey, Young and Beautiful record is another captivating song. We talked about Beyonce and Andre 3000's collaboration. Um, another couple songs that I've really gotten more into um, in depth, uh, the Double X's song, Together, is, is just a phenomenal song. I mean, I keep going back to it. It's number 16 on the soundtrack. I only know that because I keep going back to it. I love it so much. And then um, Nero and uh, Saya, if I am pronouncing those right. Um, both have songs. Nero's song is called Into the Past, and Saya's song is called Kill and Run. Um, both just, you know, really just deep songs, lots of depth, um, just excellent sounds. Um, the, the soundtrack itself is just, you go through it, and it's, you know, it's jazzy, it's, you know, it, it's, it's, it's hip-hoppy, it's, it, you know, there's just so many elements that go into it, and it's, it's, it's truly great. I mean, I've been listening to that. Uh, really, it's been my go-to listen. Um, uh, a couple others I mentioned to my to my associates yesterday or two days ago. I, I acquired the French Montana album. Excuse my French. So I've had a chance to run through that a few times. Obviously, a few of those singles have been released early. The uh, Pop That, obviously, the big record, and you know Marble Floors and uh, Ain't Worried About Nothing. And um, I will say, kind of as a prelude, I won't. Um, you know, I plan on reviewing the album when it's actually in stores. But the album does what it's supposed to do. And I will say off bat that French Montana's projection that the album was going to be the best of the century is is wrong. But it is. Um, it is a good album, and it, it it does do what it's supposed to do, and that's just bring a whole lot of ratchetness, lots of 808s and hi-hats, and, um, and I surely appreciate that. 
And to finish up uh, my playlist from this week, um, there's a woman by the name of Bobby Humphrey, um, a 1970s soul singer who was actually sampled by Wiz Khalifa and Currency for their uh, recent Live in Concert EP. Um, they took five songs from Bobby Humphrey's project Soul Story and literally just sampled the tracks and rapped over them. Um, didn't change the tracks at all. Um, took away Humphrey's vocals and rapped over the tracks. Just... I mean, you talk, the project is called Soul Story. Again, five songs that are just, you know, they embody just the old school kind of stylistics type of vibe. Um, I love that stuff. Um, so, uh, you know, really soothing type of stuff there with Bobby Humphrey. Um, so, uh, again, wrapping up that, you know, that's what I've been listening to. This week. Uh, I will go to, uh, I want to go to Lawrence next and get his playlist. Uh, Lawrence, what have you been hearing recently? Um, well, this is actually kind of funny. We talked about doing this little segment here, and I had a few different things in mind. I was bouncing around. And then uh, yesterday, uh, me and a few friends drove into Philly, and um, my one friend, shout out to Black Nate, he uh, was playing this mixtape. I've heard of this dude for a little while now, and, and I guess he's developed somewhat of a buzz. But, uh, Martin, are you familiar at all with the guy Chance, the rapper? I'm, I've heard of him. Yeah. He, all right. Well, he just put out a mixtape called Acid Rap, right? And, I yeah. mean, it's really it's really different. It, it's not necessarily something that you're going to hear the first time and be like, oh, I love this. Because, I, I mean, the first time I heard it, I was just like, what is this guy doing? Please have a seat. But it it is actually very, very good, and it's very cool. I I, I would like to talk about a few songs off it. He has a song called Smoke Again with Ab Soul. Which, mm. This guy's sound is is really different. It's really unique. It, it, it's not. It's, it's certainly not what you would consider trap. He almost does like a singing the entire time he's rapping. But it's but like there's intricate flows tied into that, and it kind of the song he has Smoke Again with Ab Soul is probably the closest thing I've ever heard to Kendrick uh, Lamar's cartoon and serial flow on any other song. Like, he, he, he uses a, a cadence similar to that, but he kills it, man. He has, like, a really different voice, a really unique voice. He's a really, really different-sounding guy. I mean, he he's from Chicago, doesn't have the typical Chicago sound. It's not trap rap. I would say it's, like, future, but, like, educated <laughs> and I'm not and not to say that future is not educated but at the same time a future future like sing slash raps about like the simple things like it, it's really common it, it's not necessarily anything very intricate I would say what chance does is what future does but on like an intellectual level which makes it really cool it's a really different sound there's really cool songs on it. Like I said, his sound is unique. It seems I, I kept asking Nate yesterday if he produced any of these, and he said he wasn't sure who actually got the production credit on it. I'm looking at it now, and he didn't produce any of them unless he has a producer's um, pseudonym that I don't know about. But all of them, all of the beats that he's on seem like they're really catered to him. I see he has Justice League on here twice, which is pretty cool, but... All of the songs are really catered to him, and it's a really different sounding album. Um, I, I would definitely recommend it as a go get. I mean, it's it's something that you won't love the first. I, I don't think you'll love the first time you hear it, but after hearing it a few times, you'll you'll start to understand and you'll get it and be like, all right, man, this 
this guy is actually all right. It, it throws you off because his name is Chance the Rapper, and as soon as he comes on, he's, like, doing this sing-yell thing. And it's like, you know, stop, stop screaming at me, homie. I don't even know you like that. But it, it was eventually it gets to a point to where it's like, all right, you, you're, you can actually appreciate it. And what he does is really cool. And, I mean, this music thing is really just about being unique and separating yourself, and I think he's doing a good job of that. So this is definitely someone we should be looking out for in the near future. But, again, his name is Chance the Rapper, and the name of the mixtape is Acid Rap. Good stuff. Um, I'm definitely going to um, actually looking for it now to give it a download and listen. Um, but uh, I have heard of Chance the Rapper. Uh, I've never gotten any kind of... I never indulged myself to uh, give him a fair shot, but uh, yeah. again, that's yeah, what the I segment like, is all about. Exactly, exactly. I feel like he was on a song with Joey Badass like a month or two ago. They had a song, I, I want to say it was called like Wendy and Becky or something like that. Do you remember seeing like uh, an album art for that? Uh, you know, I feel like I see his name so much, but I, uh-huh. I can't remember specifically uh-huh. He's starting to um, circulate. He's starting to circulate. Okay. He's definitely, and this acid rap is kind of like his, a lot of people are saying it's like his coming out party. A lot of people say that his first mixtape was really good, but um, this is kind of where he's like really establishing himself. So I, I would say he's definitely worth at least a look-see. Um, so definitely. Chance the Rapper then. Um, keep your eye and ear out for that. Um, again, this is our What We Hear segment. Any live callers or listeners that want to call in and tell us what you're listening to, please feel free and join our discussion. Um, J.R. Reels. J.R., tell us what is on your playlist. What are you hearing? Uh, so, as we said, the three of us all graduated uh, last Saturday, so I've been turning up all week pretty much and just working and then <laughs> working and then turning up and then working and then like turning up. So um, <laughs> my picks are my picks are, are, are in the hip hop range. Um, the first one is the Pusha T numbers on the board the joint. Um, the the video. If you haven't seen or heard the song, I would say instead of just downloading the song, either way you're gonna you're if you if you appreciate hip hop, you'll appreciate the song. Um, but the video really kind of like brings it to life. Um, it's very gutta, you know. It's just black keys the whole video, and it's just him, you know, just putting down just three tremendous verses on a very very good Kanye West um, produced beat. Um, and you know, it's, it's, you know, there's some, there's a couple samples in there that I really like. Um, the actual beat itself is, is, you know, it's like elegant trap beat. Um, I, I, I guess how I, that's how I would explain it. But yeah, Don, is, Don Kane and Kanye. Yeah, Don Kane, like, you, you know, you can't really lose with that combination. No, nope, no. Nope. And, and, and the verses that Pusha put on it you know, just absolutely bring the whole record to life. Um, Yeah, it's just, it's it's high energy, it's clever punchlines, it's the same push a T, moving weight bars. Like, it's just just everything that push a T and Kanye West kind of both represent in a a beautiful mashup um, for a song that has a, a lot of bravado and just, just, very, very good. Above average, you know, like hip hop song. 
Um, probably my favorite song that has come out over the last, I would say, I would say at least like a month or two. Um, if I had to, if I had to pick one, um, but you know, it's just <laughs> 36 years of moving dirt like it's Earth Day. God, like it's just God. every everything about this song is good. Um, so it's it's just a very good song. So I've been listening to that a lot, watching the video a lot. Um, I really enjoy that. And another song that is the turn up song for my graduation week has been the ASAP Ferg uh single called Work. And it it exists and ASAP Ferg isn't a great rapper, all right? I'll throw it out there. You know, I I don't wanna lose any credibility here because I know <laughs> hip hop. But like I've said, you know, a lot on this show and I think all of us have agreed on this is that there is space for people to be extremely creative and make different sounds in this hip hop bubble. Mm-hmm. And ASAP Ferg is one of those Chief Keith future uh, Gucci Man type riff raff. Nah, don't throw riff raff in there. Don't throw riff raff. Heavyweight, but, heartburn, my lanta. Yeah, all right, yeah, you're right. You're right. All right. Uh, like riff raff 2. Riff raff 2 is just, you know, it, it, it's, not, it's not stimulating. It's not something that's going to move you, but it's something that if you're turning up, it's a great turn up song. And I originally, you know, a couple of my friends, um, my one roommate, Chris Shaw, and, and our boy, uh, Nate, they let me listen to this song, the original work song, a while ago. And I was kind of like, eh. I mean, he's not a, he's like, yeah, I'm listening and I'm looking for lyrics. And, and and this is when I was in school. So I wasn't turning up while I was in school because I was tired. So I was really trying to listen to something motivating. So I really wasn't getting with it. But this week, I've been playing it pretty heavy. And the remix came out as well. And ASAP Rocky's on the remix. Um, and, and, a, and a couple other pretty good names. French Montana's on the remix, I believe. So, you know, he, he came with the remix to the original one and, and really brought it, uh, you know, kind of pushing this single. But um, I would suggest that you listen to the original um, Watch the video for it, um, and, uh, you know, just like I said, I'll warn you ahead of time, if you're listening for something conscious, don't listen to this song because there's nothing, there's no information being spread, there's no motivation, there's no inspiration, there's there's nothing but, but ratchet trap music, and I love it. I, I can't I can't hold you, I love it. She loved my Tommy Box. Like it's just, it's just, uh, it's just awesome, off-brand hip hop, I guess. So you know, if you are you going out this weekend, next weekend, and you with your homies and you need something to turn up to you real fast, go on that ASAP Ferg work joint and get a, get a little New York trap in you, um, and and and, and yo yo enjoy it for the right situation. So ASAP ASAP Ferg work and the work remix. And numbers on the board, Pusha T, my my two songs that I've been kind of rotating with uh, for my turn up graduation week. I smell you. Um, what other? I mean, realistically, 
That that number's on the board. Would you agree with me in saying that that number's on the board is one of the best rap songs out right now? It, it, it easily is. I, Isn't, I, it least, Isn't it though? Isn't it though? Go ahead. I, I, I mean, production-wise, you know, it really doesn't get much better. No. And, and, and what Pusha T does to complement that type of beat you you really he haven't eats. seen he, yeah, eats. he he eats throughout the whole song. So it's hard. It's actually very, very hard to be able to tell a difference between, well, to kind of not see a difference, I should say, between a lot of things that have come out in the last couple months right. um, in this particular song. Right. So um, right. I, I, I would say that we all agree that, you know, as far as great hip-hop production, and, and great rapping as far as flows, punchlines, delivery, you know, charisma, everything that you want in a rapper pushes he kind of embodies numbers that. Numbers on the board, yeah. He's yeah numbers yeah. on the board, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Bold. yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, one more, which I think we can collectively, no pun intended, um, kind of embellish on, you know, yesterday, and I woke up periodically throughout the nap and and each time I woke up you know I I, I you know I had my laptop open and I, I you know I just kind of played music I could just kind of put something on and let it run um through my recently downloaded stuff and I, I woke up several times and one time I heard something really funky you know just hard you know really just 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 fluent guitars and, and, you know, just real musical, nice drums in the background. I wake up another time, I hear something, like, kind of more soothing and sensual. Uh, And, you know, I wake up again, and it's something, you know, more electronic type, you know? Like, and I finally wake up from this from this elongated nap and i i had to look to see what it is i'm listening to and i and i find that it's uh the new daft punk album random access memories um yeah i i you know we all uh, jay and lawrence both mentioned it to me the last couple days that you know we had to bring it up but it we we would be remiss if we didn't bring up um the new daft punk album for our what we hear segment because i have i mean i have just now i mean since my <laughs> since my aforementioned nap i've i've felt obligated to really indulge into the album and what i've found is just a a series of i mean just one of the better musical pieces that i've heard really i think ever um, like I said, you, you've got a little funk in there. You've got some pop, some electronic influence, um, but it's all fluent. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost, you know, it's like a couple dance records in there. I mean, it's, it's hard to conceptualize because again, it embodies really a large musical, uh, spectacle. Um, but I mean, man, what a, what a piece of music. What, what your guys' thoughts from, uh, from Random Access Memories, if, you, if you've been listening to the album. I've got to hear just over half of it by now. I, I know I'm slacking a little bit. My computer's been out of commission all week, so I haven't really been able to download anything. But, I mean, people have been big on this on Daft Punk coming back out with an album for a very long time now. I, I know their last release is five-plus years ago. So, I mean, this is this is 
kind of really the the everything for electronic music. These are these are the gods and and I mean from what I've heard I, I have some friends that have really really that are really into electronic music and have really kind of converged me into the genre. So I've really been able to get a better grasp on it and really been able to like better decipher and kind of try to figure out what is good, what I should be listening to. And it's some of the best electronic music I've heard in a very long time. I mean, it, it, Daft Punk has been known for their kind of seamless hits. I mean, wh whether you're talking about like the harder, better, faster, stronger, or like a, um, the one more time, like they have, they have solidified hits like classic hits. And with the first, with the first single, they get busy. That was automatically an anthem i mean pharrell and daft punk that was that was a mix that necessarily couldn't miss the legendary niles rogers on the guitar i mean that there was they they put together everything and you can tell that this was an album that they spent a good amount of time on and wanted to make sure they put out um put out something that was very that was high quality that was something that people had to listen to like you have to have this album realistically um, one of my boys tony who is is just as much of a music connoisseur as all of us was telling me that this is literally like he doesn't see how there could be a better album this year and i mean i i hear him he and he's a bit um tony's a bit oh, passionate some uh, overly passionate sometimes so I mean I'm I'm gonna still keep my eyes out and and hope to see that there may be a better album. I mean, in terms of electronic music though, I don't think there will be. I, the James Blake put together a fantastic album and and I, I push for Overgrown a lot, but at the same time I don't think that it holds a candle to this Daft Punk album. They have the other uh, they have actually another song with Pharrell that yeah. is is the turn up. Turn up is the, the absolute turn up. I mean, if you I, I feel like. This, as like hip hop and, and R and B listeners, we kind of get caught up to where if something sounds a little bit different, we just kind of ignore. It. Well, I feel like this is kind of the inignorable. Like this is something that you can't you can't just write off and say, you know what, I don't really care too much for that type of music. So like, I mean, you're going to know that it is. It. I mean, it's it. The grooves are ridiculous. It's literally yeah. funk meets electronic meets rhythm and blues realistically with with yeah. Pharrell on a few songs and I mean it's awesome I I highly highly recommend you go get it I mean you you can you can live and not get it but at the same time you won't have as much fun <laughs> <laughs> Well said Jay uh have you got a chance to listen to the Daft Punk album Um I've I've heard obviously the the Get Lucky track um, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about this album, excited to the point where I, I pre-ordered the, the actual album. So like I'll, I'll get the official, um, copy of it, um, on May 21st and it's been killing me, um, because I have my, my little mini iPad now that I've been putting music on and I wanted to put the album on my iPad so I can listen to it more. Um, but I've been kind of, I've been kind of trying to wait to wait it out and wait until I get the actual official, you know, release. Um, but I, I can't lie, I did cheat, and I, and I have listened to a, a bunch of songs, and it kind of just re – and I didn't listen to much because I didn't want to overdo it. But I listened to a little snippet from, from probably about half of it, 
and 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 my initial reaction was okay, twelve dollars well spent on, on on this album. Um, you know the 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 Get Lucky song is a is a is a great great track. Um, I think it's something. Yeah, it's a it's a bona fide hit. I think it's something that across cultures and across you know listening preferences, people will enjoy it. It's that good of a feel good song. Um, I am a huge Pharrell fan, so there's some bias there. But but if it was anybody singing on this song. Um, I would have I would have thought it was terrific. Um, it just it just icing on the cake is that it was Pharrell. Um, but it is <laughs> it, it, it 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 might be album of the year. Um, you know, and and like our like like we said, our friend Tony who's uh who's done some work um in the music blog you know at, at Stratosphere. Um, he's contributed to you know helping Pitchfork write some things, and he's he's a music he's a music guy. He's a, he's a musician and he's a, he's just a music guy. So I trust him. Um, I trust his word, um, you know, to to the nth degree. Um, so that's why I actually went ahead and just pre-ordered the album because I really wanted to to you know get the full experience, um, and, you know, from from the official album. You know, I could have saved some money, but I I, I felt like it's a worthy cause to donate to. Um, but uh, yeah, like I I just totally agree. I know. From what the things that I heard, um, you know, the versatility of the album is, is just terrific. Um, you know, even if you're, <laughs> I don't know if Doug's about it, but if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're a music lover um, and you really don't have any bias towards any type of genre, you'll find one thing or, 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 or two songs on this album at the very least that you will be able to, to, to really just enjoy. And that's what Daft Punk has been all about. Like my, our uh, I think we lost Jay momentarily. Uh, yeah, we lost Jay. Jay was dropped momentarily. Um, but again, it, and I think it's important it, going off what he was saying and what L was saying, like. People like us who are primarily hip hop listeners, we take the time to to branch out and to rely on guys like our friend Tony, who introduce us to other forms. And he said that, like, across the boundaries. And Jay, uh, you're back with us. Go ahead and make your point. Just saying, my uh, our buddy Tony, who's a who's a huge that punk fan. He he once said to us, and I'll never forget it. He said, "Yo, when I get married at my reception, I'm gonna tell my DJ to literally just run through Daft Punk albums, and everyone there will be able to dance all night, <laughs> and everybody will be happy, and it, and it'll be celebration. It's perfect celebration music." And I would and I would agree with him. That's the type of feeling that you get, you know, listening to a Daft Punk album. Um, and, and, you know, it's just, and that's great. I mean, it's great for music. It's, it's, it's that they, not only are they making enjoyable music, it's high, high quality, enjoyable music. So it covers the whole spectrum. And, and, and I think that's very important and I, and I really enjoy it. So I, uh, I honestly just, just, you know, I hope people go out and support this. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm not the the one to say you know buy the album. Like I'm not I'm not one of those. But <laughs> I, I hope that you get the album, um, whether you buy it or not, and really listen to it and absorb it and just enjoy 
um, the musical talent that these two guys bring to the table um, because it's it's really just it's, it's fun. It's, it's really fun music, um, and uh, it'll 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 definitely brighten your day and energy which is which is great, which is one. Oh, good stuff. So uh, wrapping up our what we hear segment, um, lots of stuff they take home to to uh, tell. And uh, chopping uh, up a bit more. To listen to, to uh, a couple more things um, for people to take away from for people to, um, to be able to listen. We 
right off the top of the bat, um, best male R&B and pop artist. Um, and I'll read off these names. And, and I, I was ashamed when I first read off these names to Lawrence the other day. I, I was ashamed to realize that I, I initially, when I first saw the list, I completely was oblivious to the fact that there is a name missing from this list, a very important name. Um, yeah, that's a first will, name. I'm not going to say it, but that, I read the list, and I said, where is, you know, we, the three of us know who we're talking about. And it was like, all right, well, this list isn't complete then, because <laughs> that doesn't make sense. There, there is something severely missing from this list, and uh, the names: Chris Brown, Bruno Mars, Miguel, Justin Timberlake, and Usher. Now, <laughs> I'm looking at two names here. I'm looking at two. Well, you know, no, I'm looking at three names here. I'm looking at Usher. I'm looking at Bruno Mars, and I'm looking at Chris Brown. I look at those three names, and, and aside from those three, you've got Miguel and Justin Timberlake, who are who put our bangers there. Put out bangers. Yep. I'm looking at those other three names, and I'm thinking, how in God's good name could <laughs> those three names be on the list without Frank Ocean? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm borderline outraged. I'm borderline considering demanding an explanation. You know, what? I, I don't even know what. I, I, I can barely pick a winner because the winner isn't on the list. <laughs> Um, I, I, you know, I, I had, to, I thought about it. I, you know, maybe there's a cutoff date. You know, sometimes the cutoff dates are, are, you know, are, play a big part in terms of when your album was released, when you have music coming out. Well, guess what? Chris Brown's, I won't say terrible, but it wasn't good enough to make our top ten R&B albums from last year. His Fortune album last year dropped before Frank's Channel Orange album, which came out in August, if I'm not mistaken. So in terms of a cutoff date, that that doesn't work because Chris Brown's last release project was released last summer before Frank Ocean. So that's out of that's that's out of the way. Usher, Lord, what? I'm just I'm just confused and I'm highly upset and and I, I know you guys share my sympathy on this. Um, but I mean, give me your thoughts, guys. I mean, who who should win this in light of who's not going to win it and who actually should win? Um, so, you know, read the list and, and like I said before, same, same exact, uh, reaction as Martin. I said, oh, well, well, why did they, are they just going to give it to him? Or is just, uh, they didn't even nominate Frank Ocean because it should be known that he's going to get it. Like, they're like, I didn't get it. I didn't get that. Uh, but to answer the question, um, I'm team I think we just lost Jay, so I'll take over. I know where his train of thought was going. So, yeah, I mean, we know that Frank Ocean had the best R&B album of last year, and, I mean, that that's almost as objective as objective gets when it comes to music last year. I mean, realistically, it was one of the, it was one of the best albums across the board. So, you know, so it was – it is I mean very cool to see Frank Ocean. I mean I mean it's 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 not cool at all to see it. I'm sorry, I said very cool. It's not cool at all to see that Frank Ocean is there. I think that that just shows kind of BT's agenda. Yeah, I 
I feel like a lot of this is stemming from uh, the the sexuality questions with Frank Ocean, and BET kind of wants to stray away from that as much as possible. I mean, uh, another guy who you would think would be in there is The Weeknd. I mean, he had as big of a year as anybody else last year, but he's just simply not there. And uh, you kind of don't understand why. And, I mean, like I said, the BET Awards, as as Martin so eloquently put it, aka the Ratchet Awards, uh, they're right. not necessarily a standard. They're not necessarily what people look to as okay. Well, this person won the BET Awards, so like they're they're distinguished in in some way, shape, or form. Like there's there's no Moon Men, there's no Grammys, there's there's, there's none of that. This is true. So, so with with that being said, I mean, I feel like, I mean, if I'm Frank Ocean, I kind of don't take any offense to it. Uh, I mean, if, if that's the path that BET wants to go down, then that's fine. We can't necessarily question it. Or, I mean, we can realistically, but we're not going to be able to get anything done about it. But, I mean, with with looking at who is left in the field, I think that I mean it's definitely it's definitely between Miguel and Justin Timberlake. I would give Miguel the nod just because of how big a year he had coming from seemingly nothing. I mean Justin Timberlake's been an established artist for a very long time now, from NSYNC to his first solo album, and and I mean there was a bit of a hiatus which made this Justin album a lot more exciting and and it was a very good album I, I'm not trying to take that away from Justin I just think Kaleidoscope Dream was better I mean in hindsight um when I first heard 2020 experience I probably would have said that it's one of the best albums and, and that would have been based off of pure excitement but after having time to digest it and really kind of uh, work my way through it. I still think that through and through, Miguel has a better album. I think Miguel had a better year than Justin Timberlake, so I would say Miguel should win this category since Frank Ocean is not there for whatever reason BET is, hasn't disclosed. I'm, w- I'm with you on the Miguel pick. Um, I uh, Another reason, I mean, and like I didn't want to say, but I'm glad you said it the way you said it, Lawrence, because you you I mean you can only assume and you hope it's not the case but you you can only assume that you know the sexuality when it you know that whole context when it comes to Frank Ocean that may be something that BET is trying to stray away from that really is the only logical explanation here. The now, only one. The if, only one. If we're talking context here though. Justin Timberlake is white. This is BET. I mean, I, listen, I, I have nothing against Justin Timberlake. I have nothing against white people or white artists. Or it has nothing to do with that. It's just the principle that Justin Timberlake is white, and he's nominated for a BET award over Frank Ocean, who had a better album, a better year, who is the best in the field right now. And seemingly he's left out for, you know, whatever reasons we're left to speculate on. Um, so that that bothers me even more. You know, it doesn't bother me that Justin Timberlake is nominated because I think he's deserving, but it bothers me that he's nominated over another black artist who had a better year than him. So I, again, I'm with I'm going with the Miguel pick. Jay, what do you think? Are you are you are you with the Miguel pick as well for best male R&B and pop artist? Oh yeah, easy, easy. Um, not not that. Justin Timberlake. I'm a full supporter of Justin Timberlake. Um, I really, really enjoyed his album. I, I, I bought most of it. 
Um, and and I still and I still listen. To Most it. of it. Yeah, I, I I didn't buy the whole thing. I I went through and picked some songs that I that I heard and liked, and I and that's how I did that one. But um, I uh, I Miguel's Kaleidoscope Dream. Even I would make the argument that even if Frank Ocean was in it, that you can make a very good case for Miguel, regardless. Um, and he would be if if either one of them would have gotten it, either Frank Ocean or Miguel, I wouldn't have been upset. Um, so so you know I'm I'm that's that's where I really stand on it. Um, I'm not mad. I'm not mad that that Justin Timberlake's in it. I'm not mad that Miguel's in it. Obviously. Um, Usher, even though he's he's one of the great uh, and why um, kind of Chris Brown that was just a popularity thing. Um, Chris Brown will be nominated at the BET Awards for Best R&B Artist for the next like ten years, even if he's not doing music. They just love Chris Brown, so that makes yeah. sense. I actually, I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Brown actually got it. Um, yes. What what but, what kills me though is is that I feel like Frank may have been left off of this list for, I guess what I would call extracurriculars, like the things that he has maybe done or stands for outside of music. And Chris Brown put hands on a woman. Like he, he put <laughs> yeah. sweet hands yeah, like on, on right. a female, but he's accepted, but but that's okay. Like that's something that the BT can look past and say, you know what, Frank Ocean put Floyd Mayweather hands on Rihanna, but you know what I'm saying? He's paid his time, and, and he's reconciled for that. But Frank Ocean's gay, and there's no coming back from that. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, man. And, and, it's, and, it's, un, and it's, not, it's not even unfortunate. It's wrong. Um, right. So, like, I, I, wouldn't even, I, wouldn't even, I wouldn't even put that in the unfortunate or something like that. That's just saying not okay, and, and it's wrong because we're talking about music. Let's keep it at music. Like, like, and, and Lawrence makes a great point there. Like, if you want to talk about, if you want to, if, if, if the reasoning, if the reasoning is for Frank Ocean not being nominated here, um, which he clearly should be, at least, at, at the very least nominated. I can see if you don't want to give it to him. All right? So you, you nominate him, but you don't give it to him. You don't just don't not, you just would neglect nominating him because of, you know, it could be a sexuality. And if it is, then, then, then you're wrong on every level, BET. First, that that's first off, and you're allowing this this kind of image that you're okay with criminals, but you're not okay with someone who is. <laughs> and, and and that and that makes and that's at, that, excuse my language, but that's ass backwards. That's that that's exactly the opposite of what you should be trying to portray. All right, and 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 it's just. It's 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 not unfortunate. It's just disappointing, and it's just wrong, and that's it. Um, but you know that this makes this category probably the the most glaring. When across the board, I think most people would would agree that Frank Ocean had the best R and B album this year. You would say Miguel and Justin Timberlake. You know, you can argue for number one as well. But you know, most people would say you know Frank Ocean won. And and he's not nominated in this, and that's he's the best R&B artist, and he's the best black R&B artist out over the last two to three years. So like, where where is there? Where what what are you trying to prove right now, BET? And and it, and it doesn't make sense. And, and it's simply like I said again, it's it's just wrong, and that's it. Yeah, I, 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 I
Well said. Well said on all accounts. Um, we are all in agreement. And I like what, what you said, Jay. It's just flat out wrong. It's not unfortunate. It's just plain wrong. Um, and uh, you guys touched on everything that was running through my head when it finally hit me that Frank Ocean was not nominated for this award. And, again, back to Lawrence's point, I think it speaks to, you know, the, just BET as a whole. What What, you know... And and you get a sense of what it is they're actually trying to accomplish with their award shows. I mean, clearly it's not about the music. And like you said, Jay, with the Chris Brown nod for the for the nominee, the popularity contest at the end of the day. It's not mm-hmm. clearly it's it's not actually about the music here. Clearly they have a separate agenda. Um, so like you said, we're left to speculate and wonder and scratch our heads as to why Frank Ocean is not nominated for Best Male R and B and Pop Artist. Um, so going on to some of the other categories, uh, you know, uh, real quickly, do, do you guys happen to have the list in front of you? Or are you looking at the list? Um, I have it, I have it in front of me right now. Um, I think, again, I think a couple, a couple shoe, best male hip hop artists, no one, uh, first of all, first of all, <laughs> as I've said many times before, future, future is not. A hip hop artist. <laughs> um, I, I I will never be convinced. I I've I've heard Future rap. Okay, I, I've heard him rap, but Future is no more a rapper than than Chris Brown. Yeah, I, I will honestly say that he's no more a rapper than Chris Brown. Why is Future nominated for Best Hip Hop Artist? I don't know. I, I can't explain it. I know that Future is hot. And I know that he's got to be nominated. He he may be more hip hop than he is R and B, but for me he's ratchet, he's ratchet and blue. So he is put yeah. it in R and B. Why don't you? But yeah. seeing Future's name there just bothers me. I mean, you can put anyone in there besides Future. You can put Meek Mill in there. You can put Jay Z in there. You can put hey Kanye West. You can put Kanye in there. Why even have future? But luckily, Kendrick Lamar, I, I think, should be the unanimous selection here. I mean, you've got Drake in there, you've got Two Chains, you've got ASAP Rocky, which you know it's nice to see. But listen, there's no argument here, right? I mean, <laughs> the best male no. hip hop artist is 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 sitting, lo and behold, at the top right now, and his name is Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, yeah, that's an easy one. Uh, best new artist. I, I want to get your take on the best new artist. Um, but, you know, Kendrick is in the best new artist category too, and you know we see this a lot happen with guys who you know were underground and you know kind of gained a following. And you know, for us, Kendrick isn't necessarily a new artist. I mean, the, the good. I mean, Good Kid, Mad City. I guess technically his first studio album. Um, I, I, Section eighty. I know was was a project. I don't know if that was considered like his first studio album, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I guess technically maybe he falls into the best new artist, but looking at the other names there, I mean, The, the Weeknd is also in the best new artist category along with uh, Joey Badass, uh, Trinidad James, and Azalea Banks. Kendrick Lamar's name holds the most weight out of those names, right? I mean, regardless of whether yeah. or not he's new, if you put him in yeah. there with other people, he's going to take that. I mean, his name holds yeah. the most weight there, right? Yeah, absolutely. I would, I would, I would argue that I would like to see, and this is this is just what I would like to see. Not that, not that this is the case. 
Well, I would I would argue that I would like to see Joey Badass win Best New Artist um, just for his own, you know, publicity and to kind of continue to get his name out there. But um, mm. that one's no con- that that's even that's worse of that that's even more of a no contest than the best male hip hop <laughs> artist because Trinidad James is still riding off of one good song um, and that wasn't actually really very good. It was just more ratchet and, and different than anything <laughs> else that was out. The weekend, uh, you know, the album, the trilogy, the trilogy album was was good, but. Um, I, and I and I am a weekend fan, but he is he's very situational. Um, people that listen to him know what situational means, and 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 I just don't. I haven't seen any versatility from him. I, I've just seen him fit in this one little niche, and even though he does it very very well, um, he doesn't compare to what Kendrick is doing um, as far as building a movement. And Azalea Banks, no. Um, so like yeah, that one, that one's a, that one's as, as much of a no brainer as the best male hip hop artist award. So that 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 one doesn't make sense. I think it might be the Kendrick Lamar show, realistically through this BET awards. Like I, I think it'll just be him getting four or five, maybe you know, possibly sweeping every category then because I mean he's also featured on you know the ASAP Rocky joint. And, right. and, a couple, and the Poetic Justice is up for a video of the year, so he, he has two right. chances of winning, being a part of something with that. Um, and, you know, best collaboration with Major Poetic Justice, so he has, he has a bunch that are uh, nominations that he couldn't speak them all realistically in one way or another. So, um, it could be a already, uh, I hope. Um, yeah, we, we lost Jay again momentarily. Um, uh, Drake leading the way for these BET awards with uh, 12 nominations. Um, and, uh, again, with uh, Kendrick Lamar uh, earned five nominees – actually, sorry, correction, eight nominations, um, along with 2 Chains, who also earned eight nominations. Um, ASAP Rocky and Jay-Z each had five, and Justin Timberlake and Miguel were nominated for four. Um, so I'll give you a sense of – the distribution of nominees there. Um, the, Jay mentioned the, you know, the best collaboration uh, category, which I think is a really interesting one, along with video of the year. Um, Lawrence, what are your, what are your thoughts for the uh, uh, best collaboration? I, I, my bias, my bias leans me towards Mercy because, I, in terms of just its sheer impact, when I think about the first time I heard that song. Um, in terms of the, all the elements, I mean, you're talking about collaboration. So you've got Sean, Kanye, Pusha, and Chains. And just the weight that I remember just feeling, hearing that for the first time, that was big for me. But what do you, what do you think in terms of best collaboration here? Am I, am I on? Anybody there with me? I'm I'm here, Martin. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, I would go. That is that is a good one. And and each of these songs, you know, are are pretty heavy. Um, I would I would. Ah, that Justin Timberlake suit and tie joint was a big record. Um, arguably the biggest record out of all of them. I know No Lie was platinum. Um, I'm sure the ASAP Rocky joint is going to go platinum. Um, 
as far as singles, the Poetic Justice joint with 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 Kendrick and Drake, and even the French Montana pop that joint is you know is, that was a big record for French, um, and the Mercy joint is obviously you know one of the maybe the best hip hop record of last year. Um, and and arguably one of the coolest collaborations with you know Two Chains and Pusha and Big Sean, but that Shoot and Tie record is huge, and and it's and it's, it's been huge, and it's going to be a song that's going to be big for a while now. Um, so if I had to go, if I had to make a pick, I probably would go the Justin Timberlake Jay Z Shoot and Tie joint, and 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 say that that was. That was the best collaboration on this on this list, at least. But taking nothing away from all of those singles, those are all very, very, very good songs. Sure, all of them. That's a, that's a tough category, huh? That that is that that might be the closest category that I that I'm that I'm looking at. I mean, um, video of the years is pretty good. Um, it, uh, it, there's some that you could kind of drop off right away, like the Macklemore joint. Like, yeah, no. Right. Uh, no. But but uh I would say yeah, that that's the that's the closest one, it seems like from what I'm from what I'm seeing. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's the closest yeah, that's the tightest one I think. Uh, uh Lawrence, eh, get your thoughts on the on the best collaboration. In fact I think I think we lost Lawrence for a second. Um I'm I'm sure he'll be back on with us real shortly. Um so yeah, you know, and Again, like I said, there are other categories there, Jay, that are shoo-ins. I mean, most notably, your best female R&B pop and your best <laughs> female hip-hop. Because when yeah. it comes to female, when it comes to female R&B and female hip-hop, Beyonce and Nicki Minaj are unchallenged. Um, yeah, no. And, you know, you've got Rihanna in there for best female R&B pop, who, you know, Rihanna, in terms of weight, she's got the most weight after Beyonce, but... It's not enough. I mean, you, you yeah. know who's going to win those, so it's not even worth. You know, you just know who's going to win those. It's, it's really actually a shame. I feel like these categories are kind of are were kind of lazily put together to an extent, man. I mean, and a lot of these you see the same people nominated for best new are nominated for best overall. It's just like, all right, so which is it realistically? I mean, that, that's the case with Kendrick. That's the case with Azalea Banks. They got her in Best Female as well as Best New Artist. It's just like, all right, I, I mean, if they're Best New, wouldn't that kind of exclude them from being Best Overall? I mean, I guess you can be Rookie and Player of the Year at the same time, but how often does that really happen? Um, in Kendrick Lamar's case, it, it's about to happen, most likely. Uh, but, yeah, but, I see, the thing is... I mean, to an extent, he's a, he's a rookie in terms of mainstream hip hop, in terms of the the mass population recognizing his name. He's he's new. He's still new, and he shouldn't be because he's been out for a long time and he's been putting out quality for a long time. But he's new. I mean, you can say that with a lot of guys. You go back. I mean, this is a little bit off topic, but you talk about the double XL rookie list where it's all guys that have been putting out material for a good amount of time. I mean, it's not like the, these guys just end up making the list off of their first drop. I mean, Joey Badass was maybe the the exception to that, even though they had the collective pro era tape. I don't think Joey has any other solo tapes other than 1999. But these guys kind of, I mean, it, it's kind of about, like, hitting. It's not necessarily about, 
like how long you've been doing it. And Kendrick is a recent hit. I would almost argue that he like he should certainly win the best male um, hip hop artist, but I don't think he's a necess- I don't think he's a lock. Especially, I mean, when we're considering what the venue we're looking at is the BET Awards, right? So, in terms of hits this past year, Two Chains has more hits than anybody else, and has been on more hits than anybody else. I w- I wouldn't be surprised in the least bit if BET gives the awards to Two Chains, or even to a guy like Drake, who had, I mean, Take Care came out at the end of 2011, but people considered 2000. 12 album since it was kind of past the cutoff for all of the awards and stuff like that it just won this past year's grammy award for best new hip-hop artist so he's fresh off of a grammy i mean i wouldn't be completely surprised to see a drake or two chains win best male hip-hop artist and kendrick's a shoe-in for best new artist if you look at the category i mean joey badass is kind of i would say his only competition but i don't think people have realistically um come to fully understand what what Joey Badass is. I don't think Joey Badass is fully understand what he is or or what he is capable of yet. I mean, the weekend you can make an argument for the weekend in terms of it, but I mean, the weekend is huge right now and as is Kendrick Lamar, but the weekend simply hasn't put out better music than Kendrick Lamar. So, I mean, I would hope that Kendrick Lamar won best new artist, but Look, these are the same people that left Frank Ocean off the best hip hop art, a best R and B artist tape. Like, yo, I don't put anything past these people, man. Like, they left another thing that I think is glaring. I think one of the best di- young directors in in the music industry right now is Tyler the Creator, and another people creator. may hate me for another saying that. Future. Oh, another odd future got completely left out. We got. ASAP Rocky and Sam Lecca, Benny Boom, Director X, Straight Films, Hype Williams. These are guys that have been in the game for a while and have and have done a, a, a very solid amount of videos and have done great videos. But at the same time, Tyler, the creator, is one of the hottest hip-hop directors in the game right now, man. Like, he's, he, yeah. he's, really, he's really, really innovative, and he's definitely not going to make a video where it's just like, all right, we need to call some girls, we get some swimsuits, we get some alcohol, we get like ten thousand dollars in ones, and we got a music video. That, that that's not necessarily what he's going to do, and that's what makes it good. And I, I mean, I've seen all of these directors kind of take a little bit of that into their videos. I mean, that may not be the entire video, but it, it, it's enough mm-hmm. of the video to where it's just like, all right, we get. Can we break the mold a little bit? Can we have a guy that's going to completely challenge what is the norm? And, and Tyler, the creator, has done that. So I think I think BET's got it backwards. I probably won't even watch these awards, to be honest. <laughs> I'll, I'll, <laughs> read the, you know, I'll read the nominations, the, next, or the winners the next morning, and just be like, yeah, see, I knew it. Right. It, it, man, they make it so tough, don't they? They make it so yeah. tough. It's worth noting, um, down at the bottom, I see Best International Act in the U.K., um, is a, that's a pretty cool category. You've got Marsha Ambrosius in there, Estelle, Rita Ora, and Emily Sande, whose album was uh, in the top five from our top album, R&B albums from last year. Um, yeah. So that, Emily that's should cool definitely win that. Emily, Emily should definitely win that. Yeah, I mean, Estelle, Estelle's been putting out good music for a while, but her last album wasn't great. Rita Ora has done nothing. <laughs> Like I mean yeah, I I don't I don't mean to cu- I don't don't mean to come down on Rita or I do like her she's a, she, I think she's a cool artist and she could be I mean she's not a fantastic singer but 
she has like an appeal to her in some way, shape, or form, but she's done absolutely nothing. Any song that she's put out has been as irrelevant as the songs we record. <laughs> <laughs> No, so, yeah, look out. I mean, Emily Sunday should be should take should take that away. So you you're happy for her to see see her come into her own. Um, winding down here, it sounds like we've we've got about a minute left here. Um, I wanted to get get our reactions from Kanye's uh, epidemic epidemic last night, uh, releasing his video uh, for his new single, New Slave. Um, we'll come back and talk about that um, as long as as well as some more stuff I'm sure we'll be hearing from Kanye in the next week. Um, uh, in fact, it looks like uh, we have, mm-hmm. looks like we have another minute here. Um, uh, quick reactions, guys, from, from the Kanye video, uh, New Slaves. Honestly, one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I mean, and I, and I say that from a bias of a Kanye West advocate, a, a big Kanye West advocate. He's, He's quite possibly the best rapper to ever do it, in my opinion. One of the best hip hop artists to ever do it, and and I I am I am a huge Kanye fan. But even aside that, that is one of the coolest things that I've ever heard of an artist doing. It's as creative as creative gets. I mean, this guy projected his face on sixty six buildings across the world. Across, I mean, he had he had six like six or seven buildings in Sydney, six buildings in London, six buildings in Berlin, as well as Brooklyn and in different parts of New York, Chicago, his home city, Miami, and LA. I mean, I mean, geez, man, he he is an animal. The Doesn't song is heavy. The song is heavy. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are talking about they wished it was more of a hit, but I think he chose the perfect song because there's a message behind the song and there's a, a message that seems to be pretty dear to Kanye and and I can certainly yeah. appreciate and I mean it is it is phenomenal. I woke up this morning at nine o'clock after being mm-hmm. out late last night and I was I was not upset that I was up early because that's what I woke up to and it was awesome. Yeah, I uh, I got a chance to watch it um, late last night when I got in, and um, I was I was definitely pleased based on what we've been hearing, the little snippets lately of what we'd be hearing from his album. It was pretty distorted, and you didn't really get a sense of of what was coming. But this kind of set me at ease, and I and I you know I was telling even Lawrence, you know, it, it sounded a little bit too much like Click for me at first. Um, it does sound very like much like Click the beat. It sounded sound a lot like Click to me at first, almost too much. But uh, yeah. the, the sample he uses, and then there's a little more of an electronic influence on there, I think, too. And um, like Lawrence said, the message mm-hmm. the message behind it obviously very strong for him. I think I, I agree. I think it's a great uh, choice to release. Um, I mean, he's snapping. I mean, it's like he's back to snapping again. Just he is snapping. He is snapping. Just Kanye snapping. Um, uh, Jay, real quick, uh, wrap us up with your your reaction. Um. Genius. <laughs> that, 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 that is a genius move. And, and Kanye West does what Kanye West does to the rap game consistently is be more creative and think more outside of the box and has the money to do type of stuff like that. It, 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 it is just, it's just, it's brilliant. It's just a great promo. You know, he literally took over the world for one night, realistically, <laughs> last night. And, and you know, nobody else thinks that way. Nobody else thinks that way. 
Nobody else has the money and the backing to actually do it, and no one could have done it like Kanye West did it. And and it's just brilliant, genius, just absolute perfect. <laughs> like thinking outside the box, doing something new, but still being Kanye West. One of the cooler things I've ever seen done in hip hop. Like it went like hands down, terrific. Well said. Well said. Um, we'll wrap up there on on that note. Um, another week of the collective in the books. Uh, we want to thank Blog Talk Radio and the Keys 107, opening the doors to endless possibilities. Um, we want to thank you to our listeners. Um, any live callers that we've had. Um, again, this is Martin Sories, Lawrence Reels, Jason Reels, signing off from the collective. Uh, check out our TV and film blog, televisioncinema.blogspot.com to find my reactions to recent finales. You know it's finale season in TV, um, so go to our TV blog and check out reactions there. Check out our music blog, whatwehear.blogspot.com, and tune in next Saturday to The Collective. You know how we do.